Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We will be finishing up the book of James this morning, so you can turn to the book of James chapter 5, and it always feels good to go through a book of the Bible. We'll be concluding that today. Uh, My message is entitled, Practicing the Power of Prayer. Practicing the power of prayer. You know, God wants us to pray because that's how we plug into His power. And we're going to talk about what that looks like today. I know you probably have heard the um, acrostic or acronym uh, ASAP. Usually when we hear it, we think of as soon as possible. But I had found a, a poem a while back that takes the ASAP and gives it an entirely new meaning. It says, there's work to do, deadlines to meet, you've got no time to spare, but as you hurry and scurry, ASAP, always say a prayer. In the midst of family chaos, quality time is rare, do your best, let God do the rest, ASAP, always say a prayer. It may seem like your worries are more than you can bear, slow down and take a breath, ASAP, always say a prayer. God knows how stressful life is. He wants to ease our cares, and he'll respond to all your needs. ASAP, always say a prayer. When it comes to our prayer life, I would dare say that it's either one way or the other. Is your prayer life pitiful or powerful? It cannot be both. You know, prayer is our hotline to heaven. It is our connection to God, and we can pray anytime, anywhere about anything. And it's, it's my hope today that we are practicing prayer uh, in our lives. Now, I will say this. I want you to turn for a moment to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 11 because Jesus, his disciples, the 12 that walked with him everywhere he went, after being around him for a while, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Out of all the things they saw him do, the miracles, the healings, you know, uh, the incredible teaching that he shared, all of those things, the one thing they said, man, I want to know how he does that. Lord, can you teach us to pray? And there in Luke 11, it says he was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And then he gave them the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us into temptation. And it goes on. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. And then he'll answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed and I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. What father among you, 
If the son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Oh man, isn't that good? So Jesus gave them a lot there. He says, you want to know how I pray? Well, pray like this. And He gave us a template that we can use when it comes to praying. And then He told a story and said, listen, it's, it's not just because of a relationship that you can count on when you go to someone and say, I need something. You go to a friend and say, hey, you're my friend. I really need something. And they can tell you no. But when you begin to be persistent about it, they will get up and respond to your request. And he's saying in prayer, you have a relationship with God. But there are levels of persistence you have to ask. Sometimes you have to seek. That's a little bit more active. And then sometimes you have to knock. That's much more urgent and pressing. And there are different levels to prayer. But Jesus says that the Lord will answer your prayer. Uh, Ask and you'll receive. Seek, you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And he says, look at how a dad gives something to his child. And yet God is so much more than that. He will give us even the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And that is pretty awesome. So when it comes to our prayer life, I want us to turn to James, and it shows us three situations where you and I are challenged to pray. Number one, pray for those who are suffering. Pray for those who are suffering. In James 5 verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. So I I like that, don't you? It gives both sides of the equation. If you're having a bad day, then pray. If you're having a good day, then praise. But the bottom line is, no matter how you felt when you came into church this morning, you can connect with God. If you're going through a struggle, if you're going through a trial, if you're going through a tough time, maybe nobody else knows about it, you can still call upon the name of the Lord and you can pray. And you can trust Him, you can bring your needs to Him, and you can depend on Him, and you can connect with Him in that way. Maybe you've had a great week. Maybe you're looking forward to Thanksgiving. Maybe you're looking forward to a few Thanksgiving meals. God bless you. Uh, But uh, you're looking forward to it. Well, you can come in here and you can praise God from whom all blessings flow. And you can thank Him and praise Him accordingly. But here it says, pray for those who are suffering. The word for suffering here literally means to suffer evil or to endure affliction. James mentioned the same term a little bit earlier in the chapter in verse 10 when he said, Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. Um, and In his second letter to Timothy, Paul used the same term to describe his imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. And he encouraged Timothy to be willing to undergo the same kind of suffering or treatment. Are you suffering? I would say most of us aren't suffering in that sense. But when I remind myself of someone who did, Paul the Apostle in Acts 27, he is on a ship headed to Rome and a storm has come up and he sought God. God, what's going on? What's going to happen? And in Acts 27 verse 22, Paul is speaking to everyone on the ship. He says, I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night, an angel of this God I belong to and serve stood by me, 
and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe, God, that it will be just the way it was told to me. Paul had an encounter with the Lord. He had a word from God, and he wanted to bless all those on the ship and say, Listen, I've heard from the Lord, and none of us are going to lose our lives, but this ship is going to wreck. So just stick with me. Focus on the Lord and be thankful. He's going to take care of us. Can I tell you that we are to pray to God when we suffer? And when we do, that enables us to praise Him when we go through the storm. Because you and I will go through storms in life. And when you pray to Him when you're suffering, then you can praise Him when you go through the storm and when you come through it. Pray that those who are suffering due to persecution will faithfully endure the trial. When you turn on the news, you see people in other places of the world that are being persecuted. And it's a reminder that it's real. It happens. I like what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, and descended from David according to my gospel, for which I suffered to the point of being bound like a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. And that is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But watch this last part. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. We have a faithful God. And because he is faithful, we should pray for those who are suffering, that God will sustain them and strengthen them to get through what they're going through, to be that bold and faithful witness for the gospel, that God will strengthen the arms and their hands and strengthen uh, them as they stand for, the G- for Jesus Christ. Well, that's one, that's one thing that we can do when it comes to praying, praying for those who are suffering. But there's a second one, pray for those who are sick. Look, if you will... In verse 14, is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And we'll stop there for just a moment. Pray for those who are sick. I had heard about a story. The wife of a missionary, missionary William Burton, was sick with a fever. Happened many years ago. And during her sickness, she had a strong craving for an orange. And she earnestly prayed for one, but her husband reminded her that the nearest citrus trees were 21 days' journey away from them. Well, three weeks prior to Miss Burton's illness and prayer for an orange, a man named Dan Crawford had picked some oranges and sent them to the Burtons. Upon returning from a meeting the night after his wife prayed for an orange, William Burton found a basket full of oranges on his front porch. And that reminds me of the verse in Isaiah 65, 24. Even before they call... I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. 
You know, God knows what we need, but we still need to ask him. I had somebody years ago ask me, Brother Corey, if God knows what we need, why should we pray? Because he wants to have a relationship with you and because he wants you to depend on him and he wants you to ask him. So guess what? Ask him. Ask him. And, and, and when you ask the Lord, uh, he will hear our prayers. Now, there's different ways that our prayers can be answered. I love it when God answers prayer quickly, don't you? It's kind of like going through a drive-thru. You just tell them, they throw it in the window. Yes, all right, I like that. But then there are times when you, you pray to God about a, a problem or a situation, and you know, a week later you're praying, a month later you're praying, a year later you're praying, okay? Sometimes it takes a long time, but you, you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you seek God's will on it, and you begin to let Scripture inform your understanding of how to pray for a situation. But trust God, depend on Him, and I do believe He works things out in His own way and time. But whether we're sick or weak, we can ask God for prayer. It reminds me of the man that was healed in Acts chapter 4, verse 7. After they uh, had Peter and John stand before them, this is the religious Sanhedrin, they began to question them, by what power? Or in what name have you done this? And then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. It was a lame man that couldn't walk, and now he's healed. And Peter is saying, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It wasn't the method I used. It was the Messiah. It was Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he, he is the reason why this man is standing before you healthy and healed. The power of heal, healing doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from all of our methodologies. It comes from Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what should we do when someone sick requests prayer? Well, it says there, if you, is anyone among you sick, he should call for the elders of the church. You've, you've heard me uh, talk about this for a little over a year now. It's not talking about the senior adults in the church. Elders is an office in Scripture. Elder, overseer, bishop, uh, shepherd, pa pastor, all of those terms are used synonymously to refer to the same office of leadership in the church. And so it says to call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, let me share this, Brother Don. I can remember in my last church in Tennessee, the, the pulpit had a little cabinet. And one day when nobody was around, I'm like, what is in this thing? You know, like, is this, what's hidden in here? Is there, is there bodies? Is there bones? What is it? And so I went and I opened up the cabinet, and lo and behold, there was like a, a bottle about that tall of, I guess, olive oil or some kind of oil, and then it immediately triggered this passage that if somebody's uh, sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church, and they will anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and pray over him. And I went, wow, this is in a Baptist church. Wow, you know? 
Uh, but you know what? That is Bible. That's exactly what James is saying. He's saying um, if you are sick and you want prayer, call for the elders of the church. Now, we're not talking about, let me be very clear here, we're not talking about a healing service. So don't please don't leave here and say, Brother Corey, I think he's wanting to have a healing service. I did not say that, okay? That's not where I'm going here. I'm just saying, what does Scripture say, and how would, how would you apply that? What does that look like? If anyone's sick among you, they call for the elders of the church. They anoint them with all in the name of the Lord and pray over them. And then it's a prayer of faith, okay? It's a prayer of faith because the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And so when you request prayer, here's the guidelines. Call the elders of the church, number one. Anoint the person with all in the name of the Lord. And by the way, there's another verse that shares that too. Uh, if you want to look at it, it's Mark chapter 6. You know, Mark chapter 6, Jesus is with his disciples. He, he has sent them out. And in Mark 6, verse 12 through 13, it says, So they went out and preached that people should repent. We like that. Uh, they drove out many demons. That's awesome. They anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So that implies that if they anointed them with oil, the implication is that they prayed with them as well. Okay, And so uh, call the elders of the church, anoint the person with oil in the name of the Lord, and then pray in faith. Now, I like what one person said. It's not the fervency or the frequency of the prayer that renders it effective. It is simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's faith. I remember years ago in the church where Nancy and I met, there was a, a biker guy named Joe, and he loved the Lord. And uh, at the end of the service, I think people were leaving, and uh, he caught me and he says, guess what? He says, I heard that one of my kids or grandkids is in the hospital, and he told me the situation. And I just read the, the other day, uh, before he said that to me, I just read that when, you, when someone comes to you and wants to pray, pray right then. And I said, hey, why don't we pray right now? And we prayed right then. And it wasn't me. I can't say anything like that. But we prayed. And then it wasn't too long before I heard from him again. And he says, it's not an issue. God took care of it. And I love it when God answers that way because it just shows that he's in charge, he's in control, and he is able. But notice where I stop reading for a moment. It says here, that if the person is sick, they, the Lord will raise them up. In other words, they'll be well. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You know, sometimes maybe we need to confess to one another things that we've said or done, and we pray for one another, and God can use that confession. God can use uh, that, that, that step to bring healing, and that is an awesome, awesome thing. And then it says the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect, and it points to Elijah. In verse 17, Elijah was a human being, as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three uh, years and six months, it did not rain on the land. And then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. If you don't know that story about Elijah, it's an awesome story. Elijah was a prophet in Israel. And uh, Ahab was the king in those days. And Ahab was a very wicked king. If he wanted something done, he, he got it done. And, uh, and here is Elijah. And he feels like he's the only prophet left because the king is privy to the prophets of Baal. Uh, Baal was an idol. 
Baal was an idol that they worshipped, and uh, it was a false god. And it got to the point to where Israel was divided. And so uh, Elijah felt led to challenge uh, the 450 prophets of Baal on a mountain called Mount Carmel. And uh, he he, it's, it's, really, it's a really neat story, and when you read the whole story in its entirety, when he prays at the end, he reveals, God, I did everything you wanted me to do. So, so the idea came from God. But Elijah basically said, why don't we set up two altars on Mount Carmel? And, and why don't we get everything ready, and we pray to our gods, and the God that's really God will answer by fire. And so that's what they did. But here's the cool thing. Before that, I got to back up. At one point, God led um, um, Elijah to pray for no rain, and it stopped raining. And he told the king, at my word, it won't rain, and at my word, it will rain. And he was representing the Lord when he did that. And so he did that, and it was dry in the land. And at the end of that three and a half years is the showdown on Mount Carmel. And when the day comes, uh, the prophets of Baal... They do all their little rituals and all their different things, and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. About the end of the day, at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah says, I want you all to see those jugs over there. I want you to fill them up with water. Now, keep in mind, it hadn't rained in three and a half years. I want you to fill them up with water, and I want you to drench my altar. Now, if I'm praying for God to answer by fire, the last thing I want to do is wet everything. If it's wet, it's not going to burn. But he does it, and he tells them, I think, three times, drench it with water. And then he says, God, and he prays to God. He says, I've done everything I've told you to do. I want you to win our hearts back to you. You're the true God. I'm paraphrasing here. And, 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 and when he prays, all of a sudden, fire falls from heaven and literally consumes this entire altar that was drenched in water. Even the stones are burnt. And everybody's like, wow, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. Elijah was just like us. He was a man who had feet of clay, but he believed in an almighty God. And he trusted God, and he walked with God, and he obeyed his word, and he prayed in faith, okay? He prayed in faith. When he prayed, he, he, he was talking to God and he trusted God and he depended on God. And Elijah's prayers humbled a royal family that was wicked. His prayers defeated Satan and it revived the nation of Israel. I'm telling you, prayer is a powerful thing. And that's why it says that the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. 1 John 5 gives us this assurance. This is the confidence we have before God. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of Him. But the key there, the condition, is His will. You've heard me say it many times, and I will say it again for effect, and that is this. Whenever you read the Bible, as it speaks to you, Pray it back to God and let Scripture inform and color, if you will, your prayers. Because we get in ruts. We pray, we pray for things that are in our minds and we're praying with our limited perspective. Lord, help me, save me, do this, do that. 
But when we begin to go to the Word and let Scripture inform our prayers, then we're asking God to do what He says. And I want to tell you, that will stoke your prayer life. That, that will fuel your faith. That will, that will deepen your trust in an almighty God who is more than able to do anything that we uh, ask uh, or imagine or even more. And so I, I challenge you to let Scripture inform your prayers. Well, there's a third situation where we're challenged to pray. We're challenged to pray for those who are suffering and to pray for those who are sick. But a third thing is to pray for those who have strayed. Look, if you will, in verse 19. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. This is a very interesting as I was studying it because the King James uh, Version uses the word convert. And yet when you look at Peter's example in the Gospels, it uses the word convert. And so we're not talking per se uh, in, in, in that limited um, uh, view, but here turning anyone away from error. Uh, think about Peter. Peter was a believer. Remember when uh, Jesus told Peter, hey Peter, I'm praying for you. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Remember when Peter, uh, when, uh, um, Peter said, Lord, I'll follow you, you know, now and forever. And Jesus says, you know, Satan has requested to sift you like wheat, uh, wheat Peter. But I have prayed for you. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I believe it's Matt, uh, Luke 22, where he says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Ron Phillips says this, Error dresses itself in the clothing of truth. It perfumes itself with the fragrance of integrity, but it's still alive regardless of how it manifests itself. That's true, and error is false. It's not the truth, and at the end of the day, it takes us away from God and his word. And so any of us at any time can stray from the truth. We like sheep can wander off. And he says here, he says, if someone turns them back, just let that person know that if you turn a person from the error of his way, you save his soul from death and you cover a multitude of sins. You know, I'm reminded of the prodigal son. You remember the story about the prodigal son? Think about the error of his way. This uh, prodigal son rejected his father. He demanded his inheritance. Think about it. An inheritance is something you get when someone dies. To demand your inheritance when they're living, he totally rejected his father. And he demanded his inheritance now. And then he left home and had a lot of wild living, living it up, spending everything he had. And sin took its toll because the next thing you know, he's feeding the pigs the slop and the slop starts looking good. And that's when the Bible says he came to his senses and he realized, you know, even the servants back home that are servants of my father have it better than this. And he begins to say, I'm going back home. 
And as he's walking home, he begins to rehearse his speech. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer worthy to do this. Just let me, let me be a servant. It's got to be better than, you know, where I was. And so the father sees him coming and runs to meet him. And you know the story. He's restored. But see, not only did he have the error of his way, but he remembered what he had left and what he'd lost. The prodigal son returned to the place. He repented of his sin. He enjoyed the forgiveness of the father. I want to ask you this morning, have you fell into an error of some kind, fill in the blank, that has led you astray? It's put you on a detour. It has turned you away from God. And it's kind of like when you're driving somewhere you've never been before and you, you think you've made the right turn. Uh, and so you take it and you go a mile, two miles. For some of you that are, you know, high threshold people that are determined, maybe five miles and then you go, I don't think this is it. I think we're going in the wrong direction. And then you realize the only way out is to turn around and go back to where you got off track. And spiritually, it's the same way. When you and I uh, fall into error and we stray from the truth, we've got to go back. We've got to go back to that moment. We've got to go back to that place where we got off track and repent of our sins and continue going forward with the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, as we think about this message of James where he talks about faith and works. And if we truly have faith, then our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ works. And there's evidence to see in our lives that we've been changed. There's evidence that shows that we're following Jesus. And here he closes with the power of prayer, that we are to pray for those who are sick, that we are to pray for those who are suffering, that we are to pray for those who have strayed. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. So right now, here in a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And I just simply want to ask you, where are you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you maintaining a daily connection called prayer where you trust and depend on Him and follow Him? Anytime you have a need or a problem, you go to Him, you go to God, and it may not change the circumstance or the situation, but it gives you that peace and that blessed assurance to know in your heart God's got this. He's in control, and I'm going to trust Him. Whatever you're going through right now, it's my prayer that, first of all, the first prayer you should ever pray to God is, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, save me. It all starts with that. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, then I want to encourage you to realize that He loves you, that he sent, uh, God sent His Son to die on that cross for you. He paid your your sin debt. He paid the fine for your crimes so that you and I can be saved and come to God and have a relationship with Him. And so today I want to encourage you to come. But whatever God is calling you to do, I just simply ask you to trust and follow Jesus. As we stand, as musicians come, as ushers come, let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you for this time in your word. And Lord, I pray as we talk about the importance of prayer and the power of prayer, Lord, I pray that no one will leave today without being changed by your presence and your power. 
Father, have your will and your way today in this service and in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.